This morning I want to actually do a Christmas message, which is unusual for me, and it comes from Luke chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to it, and it is the account of Mary and Gabriel, and uh, I, really, I really believe that the Lord um, just provoked my heart on this passage. I was actually hearing someone speak about it, and um, the words stuck out to me of God's favour. So let's just pray before we read it, and then we'll crack on. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the rock, Lord, in these times of, of change. Lord, you never change. And thank you, Lord, that you're here present with us. Lord, at this moment, as I speak this, or at that moment when others listen to it, Lord, you are here with us. And so we just pray you administer this word to our hearts, help us to understand and grasp it, and really uh, believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we read chapter 1, verse 26. Thank you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month which with her who was called barren. Um, I went on too far there. So we see in this passage um, the, the angel Gabriel... meets Mary, and he says to her, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. And my message this morning is simple. We are a people of God's favour. We're a blessed people. Um, it's a simple message, but I want to um, back that up with some other scripture, and also I want to just kind of like pick out some areas in which maybe in our minds that can be challenged in our, in our thoughts. Um, and so I want to prove that this is biblical. But in this passage, I think there are these principles, this imagery that we can use as an illustration. So first of all, why Mary? So Gabriel comes to Mary. We don't know much about Mary at this point. All we know is that she was um, probably, a, well, is assumed a teenager. She was engaged to be married. Um, she had never been with a man. Um, and 
we don't really know what else other than that God had chosen this young girl, Mary, and that through this miracle of the incarnation, the making of flesh of, of Christ, um, the Christ, the Son of God, will grow within her. And, um, and so we might ask, you know, what was it that God saw in Mary in which he then had given favour to her or had favour, you know, what was it that he found favour in, in her being? Was it because she was without sin? So some might believe that she was without sin. Um, the Bible doesn't, doesn't agree with that because the Bible says, Jesus said himself, there is none good but God. Um, and also says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, she was probably just this standard teenage girl that was waiting for a wedding to Joseph. So when, Because when we often think about favour, we think about that favour is related to something that that person offers. And I'll talk a bit about that later. But there's nothing to say anything about Mary's behaviour except that she had never been with a man. And we can assume there were many young virgins who had never been with a man. So what was it about Mary? And so, and I think the point here is that there was nothing about Mary that God chose her on the basis of her life. But God's favour was upon her because God had chosen to be with her and chose her to carry within her the Son of God. And so there's a picture there I want us to pick up on. The incarnation, incarnate, um, in the flesh, reveals a principle of the Christian life, the indwelling of Christ in our mortal bodies, that we in turn become like Christ in his likeness, not we don't become gods, in his likeness. As Paul says, my little children of whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So there's this understanding that as God comes in us, we become like Christ, Christ is formed in us, that we, um, in this great picture of this pregnancy where Christ became man, so Christ becomes in, in our flesh, becomes, we become like Christ. And so Paul understood this Christian life as not about conforming to a standard or a set of rules, but an internal transformation, which I know we speak about a lot, but we're changing our mind, our character, our actions, in a way that reflects Christ's mind, character, actions. And it starts from the inside out. Um, anyway, every, most people watching will know this verse, Philippians 2, 5 to 9, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but it's much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as Christ became a human being, the goal was that he would be in us also, changing us to be like Christ. As he became human, we become like Christ. And, um, you know, Jesus, this transforming power of the Holy Spirit 
Jesus says in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So here's my first point, God's favour. How do we identify? Well, um, God's favour is on us because he intends for us to be like Christ. So when we are becoming like Christ, his favour is on us. His favour is on Mary, purely because God had chosen her to be the vessel of Christ, and we are Christ's vessels. Um, and the next sign of this favour we see is this, in this encounter is that God is a father. Hebrews 2, 10 to 13. It was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. So where he says, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That word source can also be father. We all have one father. Because Jesus became a man, he could call all of us his brothers and sisters. Well, I was thinking this, and maybe this is a good illustration. On the day that I was born, I was a son. In fact, before I was anything else, I was a son. You can go even further. In fact, before I even ex exited the womb, I was a son. Even further, I was a son before my parents knew I was a son. They didn't have all these gender reveals in those days. You waited on the day, you know, before anyone knew I was already a son. And, um, and I think that, again, is a wonderful principle. You know, my, my parents didn't choose me to be a son. They chose to have me. The only thing they chose was my name. And so with God, the more I walk with God, the more I see this transfer of what any credit that I've had on my own salvation. And what I mean by that is, when we first come to God, there is a lot that we um, feel that we are participating in that process. The more we get to know God, the more we realise the less our participation was. All the way to the point where that simple willingness to say yes, maybe like where Mary said, be it unto you according to your will, is a willingness to say yes. Faith for salvation is not a work. It is a falling into the hands of God. That yes. So as Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. The rest was up to God. She didn't need to do anything to become pregnant. She didn't do anything different. The Holy Spirit came upon her. So I am a son. <clears throat> we are all sons and daughters of God before anything else, before I am a father, I am a son, before I am a husband, before I am a pastor, I am a designer or developer or whatever else we may do, I am a son. I am a son of God before anything else. And that's my identity. And I approach the Heavenly Father not as a servant, even though I am one, but as a son. And, and I, you know, when we think about this, it radically changes our prayer life. When we prayer is the intimate relationship between father and child, 
It's the communication. And there are times when prayer is about interceding and praying for situations, bringing our requests and all these kind of things, but it's like we come as children before our God as our Father. Amen? So, John 1 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is my second point. God's favour is on you because we are children of God. And the third picture that um, Mary's encounter is that Gabriel came with a call of God for her life. So he called her to be the mother of Jesus. And we see for the, um, if you think of Jesus dying at 33, he started his ministry at 30. He said that he learned obedience from the age all the way up to that by living with his parents. Mary, was in, we see, was involved the whole time. Her calling was to be the mother of Jesus. And um, have you heard that song, Mary, Did You Know? Everyone's heard it. Have you seen the meme that says, yes, Gabriel told me? <laughs> um, she knew from that point God had a calling on her life. Might not use that, but that essentially was what it was. She was being called. Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, of his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ before the ages. And we all probably know that term, God does not call the equipped, but equips the called. You know, every child of God has a calling and a calling comes favour. And if you're falling after God and seeking to walk in, then you know that he has favour. His favour is over us. So his third point is, God's favour is on you because he has called you for a purpose. Now there's something, I don't know if you've heard of this, but I know that I've experienced it and it's something that I have to be wary of and I think I would say everyone does who, who knows the Lord. There's something that some call transactional faith or transactional theology. Has anyone heard of that? Have you heard of that? The idea is this. God's favour is given to us because of something that we offer. When I go to the shop, a transaction takes place. I want to buy that bread and my offer is the money and the transaction is because I give you the money, I take the bread. And now there is no transaction with God except for the transaction of my sin for his righteousness. It's the only transaction, and that's the transaction of faith. But that's not what this is talking about. This transactional thinking says this, if I do this, God's favour will be upon me. If I do this, God will do this. If this, then God will do this. And there's a reason that many people think like this, because sometimes I think Scripture sounds like that's what it's talking about. Um, we read earlier that passage in John. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And it sounds very much like, if you love me first, then I will love you back. 
But what can happen in people's minds is, is that we can say, you know, because I have done these things, like I've gone to church, I've been to the prayer meeting, or I've spent time praying to God, or reading my Bible, or whatever kind of good deed that we may deem, if I've done all of these things, then, then my life will go well, or God will bless me, or God will um, lay his favour upon me. And when things don't go well, they don't go right, it's we think we haven't done enough because things have gone wrong. Or um, there's that time where it's, if you haven't had your quiet time in the morning, you leave the door worrying that your day's going to go bad. And growing up in a, in, in, uh, this, in, with this kind of mindset, which I did, that was very much a part of it, until the Lord um, helped me realise that, that this whole transactional thing was, was wrong. God's favour is on you and I, not because of anything that I do or I have done. And just as Mary was chosen for no other reason that, that God had chose her, so, and his favour was upon her. And God's, that's, that's point four, God's favour is not on you because of anything we've done. My fifth point is this, God's favour is a natural part of walking the narrow way. There's a way of God in, in what the Bible teaches us to walk in when we read the Bible, and this is where I want to say, to sort of counteract that, what does John mean when he says, or Jesus say, if you love me, if you keep my word, then my father. What is he saying? Because it sounds transactional. It sounds, if you do this, then this will happen. You know, when we become, before we become Christians, we're walking the broad way, if this is the broad way, like this. And we're walking like this, all through the broad way. We never really move out of the broad way because it is so broad. But when God calls us into the narrow way, we are still walking like this, and we have to learn to walk in the narrow way. Everything in us is being used to walking our own way. And then God, through that process of making us like Jesus, is bringing us into that place of the narrow way where we start to yield to God, where we say no to the bad habits or the bad things, where we start to um, walk the way of holiness. And God's favour is found in the narrow way. So when, and this is my interpretation I want to offer to you, so when Jesus says, if you love me, if you, let me read it properly. If I can find it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Here's the interpretation of that. The natural outworking of a lover of God is that he will keep his word. And the natural response or the natural expectation is that Jesus is making our home in him. Because how can we love God unless Jesus is within us? The if, if you are praying on a regular basis, God will move in your life. Because when we are praying... We're in that way of Christ, yielding to him, relying on him, resting in him. That is the place where the favour is operating. Does that make sense? 
It's about yielding to, or it's aligning ourselves to that place where the natural heart of God is favour. And when we drift out of that, God's favour is the one that is drawing us back into that place. And that's where God's discipline comes. So, um, as it says in, I think it's um, Hebrews 12, I think it is, or Romans 12, 1 or 2, um, God will discipline us as children. And the discipline is when he's bringing us back into that place. So if we follow scripture, if we take his word and we live it out and we're walking that narrow way, that, the outworking of that, that we're moving into favour. We're not getting favour because we've done those things. We are just coming under favour. So God's favour is found in the narrow way. I hope that made sense. Um, scripture tells us how to walk the narrow way. We could have lots of different um, verses. There's some that say um, God's favour is on the humble. So if you are humble, that is the place where favour is found. The humble walk the narrow way. There's many verses in Psalms. I wasn't going to go through a lot of them, but um, I, I won't. But you can, you can Google it or search your Bibles. So are we in alignment with God? Because when we walk in alignment with God, we will know his favour upon us. Are you a child of God? His favour is upon you. Is Christ being formed in you? His favour is upon you. Are you walking the way of God? His favour is upon you. So this means, here's the application, we need to live every day knowing that God's favour is upon us. I will explain a bit later, because one, what you're probably thinking is, well, what on earth is favour? <laughs> we'll we get there. So by faith, we're stepping out into the unknown because we know God's favour is on us. We're going to trust in God that he's working for us, for his glory. We don't, we favour, if you do a Google, as I did, for sermons on favour, you will find lots of prosperity type um, sermons. And that's not what I'm talking about. In other words, because God's favour on you, everything, your finances will be great, you'll be healthy, you know, 100%, you will never get sick, everything can go well in your life, you will never have a problem. That, I don't believe, is biblical, because I keep reading again and again for Paul, whose favour was on him, and he suffered. In fact, it says about God's favour on the suffer, those who suffer. So what is this favour? Um, if there is a practical need, which if God has called you to do something and there's a practical need, we should know that God's favour is at work to bring about what that need is. So we need to believe and we may, maybe we need to get before the Lord in prayer, to come before him, trust, to realign ourselves with him so we can hear him, to know what our part is in that. You know, God wants to use someone to bless you because his favour is upon you. I was blessed yesterday from some friends who gave me a wonderful gift, or us as a family, a wonderful gift. And I felt really blessed. I felt as God really blessed me. Um, you know, whether they don't have to be saved to be used by God to bless you. Um, God will use anyone and will give us favour amongst those in the world. Um, and there are times in battle when the army retreats to take stock and... Um, understand their next move with new information, 
to rest and resupply. There are times when we need to step back and come to our Father, not as a worker, not as a servant, but as a child. And this is another thing about God's favour. At any point, remember my point, I am first of all a son. At any point, I can go to my Father, I can lay, lay the tools down, I can go in and just say, look, I just would love to just almost, almost, I don't know how you, I use my imagination, sit down by the fire with a cup of coffee and just sit and be at rest with my Father. That's favour. That's, it's, it's being able to enter into and be with and be honest with and just sort of say things like, you know what, this is, can you just, you know, give me some guidance here or speak, will you just help me with this or, um, or even just say, look, you know what I need. I don't even need to say it. I just want to be, I just need to be with you in your presence because you know exactly what I need. You know the complaints of my heart, the frustrations, and I thank you that I can sit in your presence and I know that I'm accepted and I'm loved. And, I, and again, that to me is prayer life. There are times where God puts things on our hearts to pray for things and pray for people, pray for situations, and we're used in the work of God's ministry in prayer. But prayer fundamentally is relationship of intimacy with our Father. It's being able to sit and be in his presence. Otherwise, we can turn into transactional faith of saying, I'll pray for it, pray for it, pray for it, pray for it until I can get it. And uh, there's a fine line between um, interceding and being persistent in prayer and bringing it to God, um, but we can easily slip into results-driven prayer and, but rather than just availability before God to be used to pray and to be used in that ministry. So I want to encourage you to sit with your Father um, whose grace and favour is poured out for you every day. Um, and there's no COVID restrictions there as well. What about sin? The favour of God is on all his children, whether they fall into sin or not. Bear with me on this. It's because of his favour that he's swift to lead us to repentance. There is bountiful grace, Romans 5.21. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is this? Does this mean that God has a light view of sin? No. Does this mean that God disregards sin? No. Does this mean that he is extremely opposed to sin? Yes. But does this, does this mean that even though we may sin in, a, in an incredibly abhorrent way, that there is enough grace and favour to cover our sin when we come to God in repentance? Yes. There are some who are making light of sin when I listen to some teachings and, um, and things like that. In order to... to understand a God who loves us, they, they, in order to do that, they are making light of sin, which makes light of grace. God's grace is bountiful, but he will always teach us to abhor sin, as the scripture says. But what is favour? Favour, I'll just go through those points. God's favour is on us because Christ is in us. Amen? In the house? 
God's favour is on us because we are a child of God and God's favour is on us because we are called of God. God's favour is, is not on us because of anything we have done. It is on us in spite of us and all that we do. God's favour is a natural part of walking the narrow way. When you want the favour of God, that's where it is. It's like, I imagine, you know, the, the old picture of the guy walking around with a cloud raining above his head, you know. It's like that. God's favour is on us wherever we go as we walk with him. But favour, and this is my term, favour is knowing that in every situation God will use all his resources for his glory and our good. So if God wants something to happen and God needs things to happen, I don't know if the younger people might not remember MASH. Remember MASH? No? It was a TV series. There was one guy there who if you, he could get anything. He was, um, I can't remember what his name was, but you, you could, if you needed, like in the middle of, you know, Korea in this, in this war in the 60s or wherever it was, and you needed some kind of like a pizza. I'll tell you a truer story. We, we, got, a, we got a friend, we seen, he was a major in the army, and he was in, uh, down south, not Baghdad, but the one down south, where the, where the Brits were in, in Iraq. No, no. Anyway, and uh, he he was one of those guys. He was he was a, a major in the in the logistics corp, and he managed to. This has gone way off my notes here, by the way. He, um, he he managed to find a pizza hut. They would have these standalone kind of like big massive caravans, and he got one Basra into down to Basra, and he and he said. I took a risk because I think my commanding officer didn't know about it. I weren't too sure whether I was allowed to do it. Um, and he got one, and he got it in, and then he saw his commanding officer coming up with a bit of pizza in his, in his mouth, and he said, good job. Uh, but he could do anything. He would say, what do you need? And he would find people, and they would go down to Kuwait, they'd find one, and he'd come back. Whatever you needed, you'd be able to get it. You see, <laughs> my point there, <laughs> just to bring back, is that, there, there are some people that are just able to just find and do and be able to get whatever you need. Um, God's favour is on us like that. He will use all his resources for his glory and our good. His glory comes first. We don't always realise what is for our good and how what we are experiencing is for his glory. But his favour is that. His favour is knowing that God treats us as a child of God and will always be there and is longing for, in many cases, the intimacy. And that's often our biggest challenge is the experience of that. And it's learning to identify that in faith. But we have to start by reminding ourselves who we are in the Lord. Favour is knowing that all the resources of heaven are available to aid us in our sanctification, in our becoming like Christ. Whenever we feel there is a lack or an inability for us to go on in the Lord or to become like Christ, we know by faith that there is everything that we need. You know, I was thinking about those verses where Jesus says, ask anything according to my will and it shall be given to you. That's favour because when we are in God's favour, According to his will, it shall be um, uh, given to us. Favour is knowing that we will always have what we need according to his will and purpose. You know, we, will never, we may never see what we are going through is for our good. We must first 
Examine our faith. Are we walking in the way? Are we walking in the way, in the narrow way? Are we trusting that in our suffering we are blessed? And will favour mean that we will see provision? Maybe. Yes. At times, yes. At times, maybe no, according to the will of God. Will it open, uh, create an open door in the situation? A way out or a way in? Will it bring healing? Maybe. See, the point here is that ultimately God's favour is on us because he wants to be intimately and personally involved in relationship with us. And that's the great gift. So I want to encourage us this morning to know the joy, if you like, or the peace at Christmas time. Um, God's favour is on me. And God's favour is on you. And the hardest part there is keep reminding who God is. Because it's really all about who he is and his love for me. And he knows more than I know. So sometimes when we think about favour, we think it's just all the good stuff comes. But actually, God's favour is, is in the midst of everything, all the COVID restrictions and all the concerns and worries and situations that we go through. I can come into that little lounge by the fire with my father and have a cup of tea and not need to say anything. He knows exactly what I need. So let's pray and then we're going to sing. Um, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that your favour rests on us. And I particularly want to ask, Lord, that you will give us a revelation of your goodness, of your favour, of your grace. Lord, thank you that it is not transactional in that sense, Lord, that you're waiting for us to do some good thing before you bless us. But Lord, you're calling us into a deeper, intimate relationship. Lord, you do want to bless us. The ways of God are different to the ways of this world, Lord. We see blessing very materialistically at times. But Lord, we know in our hearts we long for you more and more. But Lord, I just want to pray that you may help us to know you more and more. Will you help us to uh, be confident in who we are in your presence? Lord, and may we experience you. May you help us grow in faith. Lord, will you uh, yeah, make these words really become solid in our hearts and minds. Lord, I just pray for those who feel that they have uh, ruined things. Lord, thank you that your grace is sufficient. Lord, and we need but only repent. Lord, and come back to you. Lord, and we just ask you that you may continue to work within us and help us to work it out that we might be like you. So, Lord, I just thank you. Just commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.